listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You're listening to the NASP Podcast. This specialty pharmacy podcast is a collaboration with the National Association of Specialty Pharmacy and the Pharmacy Podcast Network. The mission of the National Association of Specialty Pharmacy is to improve specialty pharmacy practice by promoting continuing professional education and certification of specialty pharmacists while advocating for public policies that ensure patient access to specialty medications. As the healthcare industry's leading podcast dedicated to the pharmacy profession, the Pharmacy Podcast Network is proud to bring our listeners the NASP podcast in collaboration with the National Association of Specialty Pharmacy. Hello, my name is Sheila Arquette, and I am the president and CEO of the National Association of Specialty Pharmacy. I am delighted to welcome a very special guest, Tim McElroy, to this episode of the NASP podcast. Tim is the executive director of marketing and patient services at Noble. Tim has a wide breadth of pharmaceutical experience spanning the past 27 years. This includes working in the lab, hospital and pharmaceutical segments, marketing and commercial development, as well as multiple combination product launches and patient experience programs related to adherence. Tim, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Sheila. Um, Glad to be here and uh, look forward to our conversation today. Great. So to get started, as the Executive Director of Patient Services, on a daily basis, you likely encounter multiple stories of patient experiences. Can you tell us a little bit about any challenges that patients are facing when they begin their therapeutic treatment? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's a great question. One of the things I would just talk about, you know, what we do uh, at Noble, this is one of the, I like to call us a patient experience innovation company. Uh, and uh, really, a lot of what we do has been born out of listening to the challenges that patients come to us uh, with their problems. Um, obviously, we, we work a lot with we work with pharma clients and, and brands that come to the market. Uh, but it's it's very interesting always to hear about uh, uh, problems or challenges with patients that get overlooked very quickly. Uh, and case in point, uh, we were just at a congress last uh, what two weeks ago, I guess, at Symbia. Yep. And we were we were we had a booth there, and we had some of our training devices and things like that. And that's one of the areas we specialize is in patient training. But I I would have patients I would have people come by the booth and tell me like, ah, hey, you know what, shots aren't that hard. And you know it was funny. I love it because I was pushing back, and I there was a group of three ladies that came by, and one of the ladies was a little flippant. She's like, oh, these you know these devices aren't aren't very difficult to use. And so I said, can can have any of you guys ever had to t- self inject before? And uh, the lady at the other end, she started talking. She goes, yes. She goes, it's funny you say that. She goes, and I go, can you can you tell me about your experience? And she started having literally a somatic response to the yeah. answer. And she was like, you, you saw her tense up. She got very quiet. She goes, yeah, I, I had to give myself shots. I got prescribed a medication. She goes, I did not know what to do. And I was at home by myself. Uh, she goes, I, I had to wait till my husband came home. I couldn't do it. And it just, she goes, I would get nervous. I got sick to my stomach. Uh, eventually, uh, after through some progression and, and her husband giving her multiple shots, she was able to learn to give herself a shot. But it was, it was interesting. I thanked her for her transparency. I said, you know, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, I said, I thank you for telling me your story. Her doctor had flippantly said, 
you know, had given her the prescription and said, it's easy to do. Um, yeah. And we hear that over and over and over again. And, and I, I don't, I don't think it's a ding on the doctors really. Um, it's there's time constraints in a doctor's office. They have a, a lot of things we we're just talking about. They have a lot of things that they have to do these checklists to follow. And in, and in essence, Auto injectors have been designed to be, if we're going to say flippantly, simpler to use or easy to use. But you know what? Putting metal in your body is not a default reaction that we're born with. And most of these medicines are expensive and patients know it and they don't want to mess it up. Uh, and so we hear over and over that, you know, that doctor who's an expert in the molecule, they're expert in the treatment, they're the expert in knowing what is the drug that's going to help this patient move to the level of uh, outcomes where they, they, where they want to be and live that life they want to live. But the, when you put it in the hands of a doctor, then they're, they're not experts in ad administration. And, and that's where we see it over and over and over again, um, that it's challenging. Listen, and, and if it were if if it were easy, you know, I, we wouldn't have a business. But at the same time, um, I think it's really being empathetic to the patient, uh, empathetic to the family that's actually having to start a therapy. There's so much new going on at that moment. Um, how do you? It's so easy to overlook the simple use of the device when there's been so many other conversations that have gone with the, on with the doctor. And with the nurse and everything else, and 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 on top of that, even if, even if that patient had gotten spectacular training at the doctor's office, what are the odds that they remembered that by the time they hit the parking lot? Let alone if they remembered it two weeks later when that medicine actually showed up from specialty pharmacy. Well, sure, and I think you bring up you know some really um, some interesting points. Um, you know, from from the physician or the, the healthcare provider perspective, it may be very easy from a technical aspect, right? You're no longer maybe having to reconstitute a vial and draw up a syringe. These auto injectors are great, but that's just the technical, right? And it, there's more that goes into it. Like you talked about that woman that you spoke with about giving yourself an injection, right? And th there could be a lot of even like, you know, I would think as a child and maybe you got, you know, immunizations or shots from your doctor and that could have potentially you know, maybe that stuck with you. Maybe it wasn't the best experience. And then when you're doing it to yourself, you're right. Like we're not accustomed to putting metal into our own body. Well, it's funny. Uh, I just had flashbacks. Of, uh, I have a twin sister. And when we would go to get to the doc, go to the doctor's office and get shots, right? Um, I would hold my breath and not say a word. And my sister would scream, you know, <laughs> sure. she would literally like walking in the room. The doctor hasn't even touched her. And in fact, our pediatrician got to where he would not give the shots because he didn't want her to associate a negative experience with him. And he right. wanted, as a doctor, wanted it to be a positive experience. So he quit giving her a shot, but she would, you know, she would start literally screaming just even at the thought of having uh, a needle. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing. I think this is one of those, you know, people get, you know, when we talk about these emotive things and, 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 and feelings, I'm talking about feelings today, but listen, they're real barriers actually getting your treatment and um you know i've seen patients that literally in some human factor study you know we say count to 10 but you know it's amazing their 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 count to 10 is so much faster because they want to get it done quicker and they're still not getting full injection right um it's 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 something that needs to be considered it's not for you know it's it doesn't mean that everybody has the same reaction uh but there these emotive barriers and challenges and understanding I, um, 
are real barriers to that treatment. And, and two, I was just talking with someone yesterday, we're talking about, it, and I know it's, it, it, listen, I've been in pharma, I know all the legal regulatory, all the things, but let's be honest, a lot of the ways things are written uh, are not patient friendly. Um, there's a, I won't mention the product, but it's a, a bio, there's a lot of biologics that's very similar for use. On the first page, there's literally 18 uses of the phrase, do not. And it's like, <laughs> do not this, do not right. that. And I'm like, when do you get to what you're so, the patient just, <laughs> literally the patient just wants to say, just tell me what I'm supposed to do, right? Um, exactly. But those, each one of those, it's, it's all of a sudden I'm thinking like, I'm not a psychologist, but that's putting me, that's making me tense. Like, uh, don't mess this thing up. Um, so, you know, it's one of the, it's stuff that we have to consider. Uh, and I think this is where, you know, Sheila, we, we came to you and started uh, this interaction with NASP. Like, why don't we meet the patients where the patients are starting to receive that therapy? Uh, it's not cutting out the doctor. It's not mitigating you know, the responsibility. But I think it's important. Like, it's, it's the right information in the right way at the right time from the right person or the right group of people. Absolutely. And Tim, you know, appreciating as we both do that, you know, healthcare providers oftentimes are being pulled in a million different directions and maybe just don't have either the time or the resources to provide patients, right, with that in-depth training and to, and to address all of the other issues beyond the actual, um, you know, technicalities around auto and, you know, either injecting or using an auto injector. Um, what what is the solution to this problem? Or are there any resources, other resources that either the providers or the patients or both um, can turn to? Yeah, unfortunately, right now the the that resource is uh, is YouTube, right? Um, and 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 that is where a lot of this information is going to the point where I was saying uh, materials and stuff are well. One thing we see, and the patient a majority of people don't want to read. Um, they you know, they, some do, but I'm just saying we have to think about the ways we all receive in, uh, information in different ways or there's things that we gravitate towards. But YouTube has been, you know, and I don't know about TikTok because I'm not on TikTok, but, uh, uh, you know, YouTube is where a lot of folks go to to figure out how to give themselves a shot. And then, and then that's that's kind of a toss up, whether it's being done right or it's being done wrong. Um, you, you know, it, my medical side of me says you still want someone who knows what they're doing and has at least maybe some type of degree behind their name. Um, but there are resources, and that's one of the things that we've provided that we we give back to pharma. But we're also seeing actually the benefits of going through a specialty pharmacy channel is these trainers and videos. And uh, these trainers, we talk about demonstration devices, however you want to talk about. Uh, noble, we, they're the high fidelity. I still believe, you know, take out technology, Wi-Fi, and everything else, it is nice to have something tangible in your hand to practice with, uh, you know, uh, and make your mistakes, make your mistakes, make your understanding, get used to feeling and touching and using a trainer, uh, add on to it some uh, simplified IFUs and then a video, you know, and if you can combine those in a way, uh, which is some things that we, are, that we do for our customers, and, and we're actually doing a pilot right now and looking at it, Simplified instructions for use, simplified video uh, being delivered through specialty pharmacy at that time when they're receiving their treatment, we see it's making a difference, right? Um, like I said, it's it's how it's it's a combination of a what and how, you know. So it's like is that information in a way that a patient can receive it, but then at the right time. Right, right. So, Tim, in 2023, right, we have finally started to see the long-awaited biosimilar boom, 
right? Yeah. Start in the marketplace. So how has this impacted the patient experience? Well, I think it's something, you know, it's interesting. I think it's a watch out for sure. I mean, obviously, you know, part of the patient experience is how do I pay for this? And so hopefully the, uh, the, advent of more biosimilars is going to be a little easier on the wallet, though, for the most part, we know in reality that doesn't affect the patient so much. It's affecting their insurance, um, but their insurance and their payer may move them to a bio, you know, a biosimilar simply for the fact, uh, depending, you know, on their, uh, on their formulary, that you could literally be getting Humira, the regular Humira one day, and next month you're getting, you know, uh, you know, a different version, right? Uh, from a different company says, uh, I think there's going to be seven or eight that hit sometime just in 2023. I think Amjavit is already on, but the rest are going to start hitting in June or July. Mm-hmm. What, what does it look like? You know, and this is one of it's funny. I was sitting down with a, a special, the VP of uh, operations at a specialty pharmacy here in Orlando. And I pulled up a slide that I had, you know, like, and, and I showed him like, Oh, here's the, uh, the eight biosimilars that are coming to market this, this, in this year. And literally, he was like, do they all have different devices? And I'm like, absolutely. And he goes, and he just literally, you could see him like tense up. He goes, that, that's going to be a problem. Uh, and I'm like, I said, it's something that you need to be aware of uh, for sure. I said, because this is, we were just talking about, you know, the flippant, don't be flippant when you say, oh, it's easy to use. Well, each one of these devices are different. They operate differently. Uh, there's a term that's used in human factors world called negative transfer. Um, you may have gotten past your needle phobia or challenges of using that device, um, but you get a different device put in your hand, you'll react differently to it, or you may make a mistake. And what we find is a lot of times patients will say, oh my goodness, uh, it, it had to be the device because I'm used to, I know how to give injections now, and now there's, you know, it, they blame it on a manufacturing issue um, because they don't want to admit they made a mistake, right? Um, and they may have, they may say, I know how to give shots. I don't need to read. And, you know, um, so it's, it is something that's going to be a watch out. So I would just even say, you know, how are these clinical pharmacists that are going to receive those phone calls? Are they equipped? Do they understand the differences, the nuances and the devices? And, I kind of think that probably not, you know, if doctors don't understand the cha- you know, the different devices, uh, how are we expecting uh, other folks that have not been trained? So that's even something uh, we're looking at. Is this, is it something that, you know, I say it's a watch out in the pharmacy world that it, for the ones that are be receiving those phone calls. Do you understand the nuances and the difference of the devices? Right. So, so, I mean, what I'm hearing from you is that, Given that the patients have experience with a previous, you know, therapy and an auto injector, that doesn't necessarily make this transition easier for them, right? Actually, it could be even a little bit more confusing. Yeah, it, it can. And there was a case study out of Iceland. You know, it's one of the things. Look at some of the European com- communities that have uh, adapted biosimilars sooner than the U.S. But uh, they, literally, it was an overnight uh, change from. Uh, Humira to, I think it was Emeraldi, which if you were looking at it from an engineering perspective, the device that's used for Emeraldi is, is, is a better, I, you know, right. air quotes, a better device um, than what's used for Humira. And they sent out, they literally had a, a single page leaflet and then people were receiving their medication and they're talking about complaint rates, you know, issue. They all said like they had nearly 80% of the patients had some issue complaint 
or challenge around the device um, because what they received, the information that they received was not enough. Uh, and it, it wasn't thought out enough to give trainers or, uh, you know, call back to the physicians. So it wound up being a case study and kind of not how to do it. Uh, but it is it's one of those things, you know, this is where I would say we, uh, you know, we're, we're working with some of these biosimilars, but it's, it's one of those things, I think, from the pharmacist point of view, you almost need to be proactive and in, uh, in bait those patients into questions and making sure at least have a better awareness of what's going on. And this may be looking, making sure there's a video for them to watch. Is there a trainer available in this new biosimilar? Uh, we actually, you know, there's, you know, I know that there's a lot because we're making a lot for them, uh, but it's something to be mindful of because that negative patient experience suddenly, you know, that once that's going to interrupt treatment, right? That's going to interrupt these patients that we, you would like to think that this anti-TNF, the Humira, the adalimumab is working for them, uh, and you wouldn't want to fall into a relapse or, you know, um, come out of the remission that they might be in. Sure. So now let's turn let's turn our focus to, to chatting a little bit about telehealth and technology, right? They really, in you know, in the past what five to ten years, started to to permeate the specialty pharmacy industry and were only accelerated, right? The the use and the importance during COVID. So how do you see technology playing a role in creating better patient training and onboarding experience within the specialty pharmacy industry? Yeah, I think it's an interesting time. I think um, I think we, you know, it's you know, it's it's more than just we have an app for that, right? Uh, I think there's well, I I do like the ideas, and you know, we're starting to see. Uh, I think we're remote patient monitoring or remote therapeutic monitoring. Uh, that's an interesting area. Um, I think there was always a lot of pushback in the day from physicians didn't want to have real time data coming to them or a, a customer feedback or patient feedback that they thought like, I don't want to have, if I didn't answer that text or I didn't answer that dashboard question, then now am I held legally liable? Uh, I think a lot of those things kind of got fell away with, with COVID and with, with telemedicine. I do believe actually there's some opportunities to actually uh, look at how can you maybe, uh, you know, we'll borrow the phrase of remote patient monitoring or something like that. Look at technology that would validate maybe that a patient that has been trained and understands. Uh, those those are some things that we're actually we have some technology that we're looking at and developing, and are looking at in place and uh, that that would actually integrate into specialty pharmacy apps that shows that if a patient uh, actually used the device correctly, um, did they hold it on the skin long enough? Did they pull it away too soon? I I look at a day. Potentially, this is me saying, looking the future, it's not there yet, but I don't think it's a stretch to say that, let's say a payer uh, in our a payer is paying for this $50,000 medication uh, a year and the price tag that's going to be on it, that they would want some type of validation to say that this patient is able to give themselves an, a, a proper injection. I see the day where that, you know, that somehow through maybe, a, a, you know, a remote app or a remote uh, in integrated within a specialty pharmacy system that uh, that patient receives a kit, receives a, a device that is able to be plugged in into or responds to the, the app from the, from the specialty pharmacy, and then validates that either they, they can correctly do the medication or give themselves a shot with a, a trainer, or it validates it too, maybe that they watched the video 
Um, and, and then maybe it's like the third part would be they have to call and, you know, you know, say that, yeah, I, you know, the final part of that certification may be actually talking to a live person. Uh, but I, you know, the technology is there to do it. There's some direction that we're, we're working on uh, to, to make that happen. But I, to me, it would make sense if, if I was a payer that I would like to, at least if there was some type of assurance to know that. The, the one I'm paying for this medication, fifty thousand, sixty thousand, eighty thousand dollars a year, that they're certifiable or verifiable, that there's a confidence in that patient taking that treatment. So I think it's 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 not a leap. It's it's already there, right? If we're seeing blood pay, uh, you know um, blood pressure monitors and getting monitored, you know being taken and sent back to. Uh, your, your your SPs and the pharmacists there. I think it's going to be a simple thing. It may be, um, I feel like in the next, maybe just a couple of years that we're going to be able to do that, if not sooner. Awesome. So now let's let's turn our attention a little bit to Noble. And so Noble is an extremely supportive and, and actively engaged corporate member of NASP, and, and we couldn't be more thrilled. And I think what makes NASP unique is that we represent all of the specialty pharmacy industry stakeholders and really try to highlight how they come together to put, as I like to say, the special and specialty pharmacy. So let's just talk a little bit about, about Noble, right? And, and how you help to support specialty pharmacy patients. Is there a more cost-effective approach for patient training and onboarding than what's currently being implemented by most pharmaceutical manufacturers? Yeah, and and this is why we're here. I mean, this is why we reached out to NASP last year. This is why we were at, at Symbia. And I, I'll go back to it's it, it, almost you would say out of the misery came the mission, right? Um, it, it puts the knot in my stomach that a lot of times um, pharma customers would come to us, a brand specifically, and this is where we're, we're Noble's changing the way we do business and thinking about doing business. Uh, that it, it really, if we're going to be honest about patient onboarding and, and training and treatment, it's not just the training and onboarding, it's the full treatment. We, we need to be talking to different, we need to bring different people to the table, right? Uh, because listen, it, uh, better onboarding, treatment, adherence, you know, all the buzzwords that everybody loves to have, it, it requires a group effort, right? I believe it's us looking at what is the win, 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 win for everybody. Um, so even out of that, as we've worked with our pharma customers over the last several years, you know, we would they would come to us for an onboarding strategy or tactic device, video, whatever. We would build it and then give it back to them. And then we would go on to the next project, whoever, you know, knocking at our door. I, I, we're not going to do that anymore. In fact, I was we were online with a customer yesterday and I'm like, I, I almost feel like we before we give it back. Tell me how you're getting it to the patient, and you know and how are you making sure that this is going to be delivered to the patient in a in a timely manner? Um, because we're in in the old days, talking about my old pharma days, being a sales rep and things like that. You know, sales reps you could had all access to all the doctors. You could get in, do that, do everything you needed to. You could talk to them about training. You could talk to them about your product. All these different things. Well, those those days are done. There's still elements of it. Uh, but, you know, we we saw COVID. Suddenly, a lot of people weren't going into the doctor live. We got the telemedicine and all that. The other side is not every doctor wants to see a rep. Not every doctor wants to be right. influenced or talked to. So we're in the past, like pharma, the sales reps are bringing these materials, this collateral to give to the patient. 
It's not happening. Or for a majority of the high prescribers are not doing that. We also know patients are not going online and looking up, you know, your, your pharma company, the brand name products, that's not their go-to. So this is where, you know, I, you, you know, my brain kind of went out. It's like, listen, who, who delivers that expensive, who delivers these biologics, who delivers these injectable, you know, medicines a hundred percent of the time and is having an engagement with the patient. It's especially pharmacy. Um, and so this is where we're coming in, at least introducing ourselves. And I feel like this is where we belong. We were at a Symbia. I feel like this is where we, we belong in this space because the offering we have isn't just a benefit to pharma, but it's a benefit to the specialty pharmacy as well. And we need to be talking with we need to be a part of those conversations when market access is talking to specialty pharmacies, when we're talking about uh, services contracts, different things. We need to start looking at oh, how is this affecting your business? I had I had a talk with uh, a group at Asymbia, and this is like, you know, the simple aha moments I was talking with a clinical nurse. And she started telling me about the challenges that they have to, you know, for sending out a patient or sending out a nurse to, to train patients, right? The, with a, if a patient calls up and needs a, a site visit, uh, they have regional nurses that they're contracted with, which is fantastic. I love it. Um, but it's costing them $300 when that nurse walks in the door. They have to contract it. I think uh, it's $140 an hour, minimum two hours, plus travel and expenses. So uh, once that nurse walks in the door, uh, if it's not being reimbursed by that pharma company, that specialty pharmacy is eating that cost. Well, not that it's not important that patient, obviously they're willing to pay $300 to get that patient in a place where they're comfortable yeah. giving themselves a medication. But what if that could be mitigated earlier? What if that could happen, uh, a quick conversation, a kit goes out, uh, we're talking about that certification, certify that patient that they know how to do it. I guarantee you it can be doing for a lot less than sending out a nurse for $300, right? And then you start realizing other benefits. You're reducing a cost on interventions, but then you're getting the benefits of adherence and compliance on the back end, right? So it's a win-win on both sides, or especially the pharmacy, back to pharma, good for them, good for the doctor because that patient's getting good outcomes, better for the patient because that drug is now has an opportunity to work with them, give them a better quality of life, good for Noble because we're now involved in making sure the things that we are creating are getting to the end user, the patients that we care about. So. Um, you know, it's it's going to take a group effort. It's us talking to new people. It's introducing ourselves to new people. It's uh, showing the value. It, you know, I'm not myopic. I know there's more than just onboarding and treatment, but there's it's an important part. So let's not overlook those challenges. Those we talked about earlier, uh, emotive barriers, uh, informational barriers, way you learn barriers uh, that can truly affect the way a patient takes a medicine. Absolutely, I get, I get fired up. About I, I know you do, and I love it. Um, so what I'm I'm hearing from you is that that your approach is scalable for the specialty pharmacy industry. Yeah, I I believe it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're you know we're we're starting small, but the more I look at it, I mean, um, listen, we're right where we need to be. Listen, I you know I you know I it's like every experience has moved us to this point, right? Um, you know, like, I wish we would have started here sooner. Well. You know, we're right. We learned, right? We're we've adapted. We're we're. But the, you know, are you going to tell me it doesn't matter who's you know whichever specialty pharmacy, whoever, but it's whoever is is taking one of these medications or is taking a 
uh, a drug through some type of uh, auto injector or pre-filled syringe, it's that patient is the same, whoever they're getting it delivered from, you know, it's not a, but, uh, you know, but how can we help increase that quality of care? Uh, And I feel like this, I, I, Noble doesn't need to get the credit. I just want to make sure that the especially pharmacy across the board is equipped, is aware that there's different things available that they may not have known about because we've not called on specialty pharmacy. Uh, and then how do we build these alliances? I called it strategic alliances and what we need to do. And I think you talked about this before too, Sheila. It's bringing a lot of different people to the table with the same end goal in mind, right? It's how do we build a better experience for those patients? Uh, and that's, it's really working for the win, 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 right? Um, and I, I, I think it's possible and it's not a stretch. Uh, you know, you tell me where the, what, tell me what's the downside of a patient getting onboarded properly under treatment. Who's, who's, where's the negative in that, right? <laughs> right. Help me under, help me understand where that's, uh, that's a bad thing from business. Uh, and tell me where that's a challenge, you know, where is it good for your, you know, patient experience and, you know, MPS scores. I don't think, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, it's actually, there's a, we're starting to see a positive effect and, and tie some ROI to that experience. Um, like I said, it's new conversations with new people and, you know, we're, we're ready to talk to anybody. And if not, we're going to be, you know, preaching our gospel to everybody that'll listen. Uh, we keep showing up to these meetings and, uh, and hopefully somebody, uh, you know, will want to talk to us as well. Well, absolutely. And with all the, you know, the reimbursement pressure on specialty pharmacy right now and the fact that they're forced to do more with less, this is another amazing tool, right, in in their toolbox to help with that patient onboarding and that engagement. And, you know, specialty pharmacy serving as the extension of the the prescriber's office and, and wanting, you know, we love that the fact that patients can be treated in the comfort of their own home, but oftentimes they feel a little bit, I think some, you know, on their own island, right? And so now that this is just another resource that, hey, yes, I can do this and, and I have somewhere to go if I have questions. And, you know, my specialty pharmacy team has connected me with this awesome, this tool and this resource that I can use. And, you know, I don't know about you, Tim, but sometimes I've done something a hundred times and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I forgot how to do that, right? I might need to refresh yeah. Yeah, you know, it's and it's interesting too. You know, I, I was just thinking that made me think. We we're talking about um, when I was at Ascendia, I listened to a couple of the uh, went to some of the things. And what is the kind of the buzzword now? It used to be triple aim, right? But now it's talking about these value based care, right? Uh, I think this fits right into value based care, where we're bringing different stakeholders to the table to realize a benefit, a less cost, and less cost to the system. But uh, you know, a greater all benefit to to everybody that's involved. But it just means us, you know, looking at even value based contracts. How do we look at it? Rebates might be going away. There's challenges with you know the you know the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. We have to look at those things. But um, I, I think we're at a good place. It's kind of, that kind of is in its emphasis, you know, starting out this value based care. Uh, but I think that's really the approach that we have to have. All of us have to have eyes and look at it differently and maybe get out of our little tunnel vision on some of this stuff. Um, but there is a benefit for everybody. So, Tim, thank you so much for chatting with me and sharing this valuable information. I'm sure you would agree it truly takes a village to support a specialty pharmacy patient journey. And, and we cannot thank Noble enough for your support of NASP, but more, most impo- more importantly, right, for, for specialty pharmacy and specialty pharmacy patients. Well, thank you. I, this has been great. And I like to, I'm looking, 
uh, we're early into our relationship, but it's been great. And uh, really, if there's something, anybody has a question, uh, let me know. Uh, and the, let's explore these opportunities because we're going to bring other people to the table. Uh, but we feel like, uh, especially pharmacy, uh, I, you know, I don't, I'm not overblowing it, but overstating it. But I think they hold the key uh, in into uh, our, our main pivot point and a key key player uh, in in really uh, it, giving that care to the patient in a better way than than they've had before. So uh, we're just happy to serve you guys and uh, glad to be a part. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And, and as a reminder to folks listening, NASP corporate members are invited to be my guest on one complimentary podcast each year. For more information on this or other NASP membership benefits and events, please feel free to reach out to us at info at naspnet.org or visit our website, www.naspnet.org. Until next time, hope you have a great day.